89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online everywhere at weru.org. Mid Common Ground Radio with your host from Mafka is up next. Good morning. Welcome to Common Ground, an hour on local food and agriculture, hosted by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. My name is Melissa White Pillsbury. I'm the Organic Marketing Coordinator at Mafka and your host for today's show. This is a monthly show airing on the first Friday of every month at 10 a.m. here on WERU. We are open to suggestions on future show topics and guests, so please contact us with your thoughts and ideas through our website, www.mofka.org. It's September, which in Maine is the sweet season when all you local food lovers are busy savoring and saving the fruits of your labor in a cornucopia of colors, flavors, and textures. At no other time of year do Mainers have such a variety of farm-fresh foods at their disposal than in September. All this abundant goodness tends to put a bunch of farmers and gardeners in the mood to celebrate. So 30-some-on years ago, the folks at Mofka dreamed up this little harvest celebration called the Common Ground Country Fair. Back in the 70s, when the organic movement was just beginning, organic was synonymous with local. There were no 1,000-acre organic farms shipping product around the country, and there was no organic industry churning out the processed organic foods we have so readily available to us on the shelves of grocery stores today. Organic food was local food. Now, 40 years later, the landscape is much different. Organic has literally gone global and is now a multi-billions dollar a year industry. At the same time, we're witnessing a second wave of interest and support for local food and agriculture. Some call it the local foods movement, others the good food movement, others the local vor or locavore movement. Whatever it is, it's meant a huge growth in, in both demand for and availability of food grown on Maine farms, and that is undoubtedly a good thing. A question we often hear in conversations concerning food and farming is, what's more important, local or organic? And I have to admit, I've never been very good at false debates, and this is this one is no exception. I have to admit, I've, um, we in Maine, at least, thanks in no small part to the great work of Mafka over the last four decades, have the luxury of local and organic food. Joining us today to celebrate the main organic goodness of the season are Flip McFarland, who is co-owner of the Mofka Certified Organic Food Processing Company, Cheryl Wixon's Kitchen, and Common Ground Country Fair Director, Jim Ahern. This this year is the 37th year of Mofka's Common Ground Country Fair, and there's no other event that celebrates the abundance and diversity of Maine's organic food, farms, and products than Common Ground. As the fair director, Jim is responsible for making sure that products at the fair meet the strict guidelines requiring that everything is from Maine and is organic. There are exceptions to the rules, of course, but we can get to that later, right, Jim? Mm -hmm. Based out of the Coastal Farms and Foods facility in Belfast, the model of Cheryl Wixon's kitchen is more Maine food on Maine plates. Flip, along with his wife and business partner, Cheryl, source the majority of the ingredients for their line of processed foods from Maine organic farms. I've invited Jim and Flip to join us today to not only celebrate all the main organic goodness dripping from our chins, but also to discuss the opportunities and challenges for growing the main organic market into the future. But before we begin the conversation on that topic, I'd first like to share a few seasonal items of interest about what's going on in the main organic food and agriculture world. 
In the Mafka world, we're pretty well focused on getting ready for the Common Ground Fair, which you can look forward to in just two short weeks. It's on September 20th to the 22nd this year. A fun food and farm-related event going on today and tomorrow in Belfast is Maine Fair. This, this event's put on by the Maine Farmland Trust, and this year they've expanded it to two days. Uh, they'll have an expanded Belfast Farmer's Market going today and tomorrow from 9 until 4. They also have food and farm-themed talks, uh, farm tours. Uh, the talks are going on at the Belfast Public Library, um, and they have several opportunities to enjoy local foods meals at different locations. For more information, you can contact the Maine Farmland Trust office at 338-6575 or go to their website, mainefarmlandtrust.org. I'd like to remind you that you're listening to Common Ground, an hour on local food and agriculture hosted by MOFCA. And for today's show, we're challenging the local organic dichotomy and celebrating the abundance of local and organic foods, farms, and products. We enjoy all of these here in Maine year-round, but especially at this time of year, the harvest season. We'll be taking calls from you, our listeners, in just a few minutes, but first I'd like to hear from our guests today. In the studio, we have with us Flip McFarland from Mofka Certified Local Foods Processing Business Cheryl Wixon's Kitchen, and Jim Ahern, who directs Mofka's Common Ground Country Fair. Thank you both for joining us today. Thanks, Melissa. I know it's an incredibly busy time of year for both of you. So, um, but thank you for joining us in the, for this timely discussion. Um, Jim, perhaps you'd like to start by um, giving us an introduction to your work related to this theme of local and organic or main organic. Well, the fair is uh, at a really fascinating uh, intersection and uh, b between so many of uh, the organic farms and, and producers in the state and uh, the consumers uh, and the public. And in, in that, it's uh, it'll be in a special event. A lot of the producers and the farmers are creating uh, just for the fair, or it's an exception uh, to what they're usually doing. So, uh, for example, instead of uh, let's, let's, there are several farmers in the farmer's market that um, you know most of their operation moves to the fair for the for the weekend um, and uh, there are so many businesses that maybe they're not directly themselves uh, farmers but they rely upon uh, and they work closely with Maine's organic farms to source their food and their ingredients for their booths in particular uh, in the in the food food vendors so uh, a lot of our work and and I, I really need to give uh, uh, of credit to my colleague April Boucher, who's uh, uh, in the Mopka office, who works. Uh, April's really on the front lines with all the food vendors and helping them source uh, their ingredients from Maine farms and uh, and making sure that when available, organic Maine products are used. Um, and then we also uh, have a great relationship with. Uh, Colleen Hanlon-Smith, who works with the Maine Farmers Market Federation, and she helps us out too. So we really kind of tie in both through our resources uh, within MAFCA and throughout uh, the state to make sure that uh, that all the food that's served at the fair is organic and uh, that whenever possible it's grown in Maine. And uh, that's part of the unique challenge with the fair. You know, you can't just uh, 
uh, you know, call up Cisco and order 1,200 pounds of Maine organic pork sausage. Uh, that takes a lot of planning uh, and uh, and a lot of work to, to make it come together. And, and months, you know, a lot of those arrangements are made back in the winter. So it's uh, it's very thoughtful and a long and, and uh, uh, an, an intensive process, but it's well worth it. Great. We'll, we'll delve into some of those topics more in a little bit, but sure. first I want to give Flip a chance to introduce himself and tell us a little bit more about what he does. With well, Cheryl Wishon's Kitchen, we, we buy certified organic uh, produce from uh, about 45 main farmers now, and then we put that into a shelf-stable product. We make pasta sauces, jams, fruit sauces, um, ketchups, uh, beans, uh, dilly beans, um, pickled products, things, things like that. And uh, so we, what we attempt to do is take all of the harvest when it's fresh, put it into a shelf-stable product in a jar, and then distribute that over the course of the year so that people can enjoy Maine food that was grown in Maine, that is organic all year round. And that's, that's not something that's really common with food. There, there are many food processing businesses in Maine, but most of them don't have that commitment to sourcing the ingredients that go into that product from Maine. Would you say that you're unique in that aspect, or do you think that well, your I, business model is growing? I, I think that we're pretty pretty unique in that respect. Our uh, business model, our, our sales is, is forecast to be a third of our sales come from fairs and festivals, like this year will be our first foray at the uh, Common Ground Fair. Uh, we do do a couple of other ones. We uh, About a third of our sales are from a, the CSA model that we do with our uh, shelf-stable products over the winter months. And then the last third of our sales is generally from uh, retail stores like the Belfast Co-op, Blue Hill Co-op, and uh, different venues like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, as Jim said, we run into those same problems that he was talking about sourcing ingredients from the fair. And uh, where we're only, we've only been through two years, and this is our third harvest this year, when we talk to farmers in January and February, we're asking them to grow X number of pounds of tomatoes or, or green beans or cucumbers or whatever, and we still haven't sold and don't have a real sales curve based on what we put away for the prior year yet. So it's a it's a big leap of leap of faith on our part and on our farmers as well. So uh, and so far it's worked out well. We've been able to maintain a, a good growth pace and we outgrew our facility that we did have in Bangor and we've now moved to Coastal Farms and Food in Belfast and. Um, you know, for instance, uh, the last couple of days, we've uh, processed over 2,000 pounds of tomatoes, and in our Bangor home, 2,000 pounds is about a week and a half's worth of production. So, mm. so uh, you know, we've increased our capacity tremendously. So having that facility in Belfast has really allowed your business to grow. You wouldn't be able to do the volume that you're doing and grow your business in, the, in that same way. No, absolutely, because because working with their personnel, we're able to develop efficiency mm -hmm. so that we can we can process a larger volume and get it into a, a stable condition so that we can can make product with it all year round. So flexibility, I'm hearing, is is key to making mm -hmm. this commitment to Maine organic yeah. work. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you know, um, some of the challenges that. Uh, I'll speak a little bit to some of the food vendors when I say, and when I refer to food vendor in the context of the fair, you know, talking about the the food booths with the the, the sausages and the uh, the funnel cakes and so forth, and you know, all their recipes. Uh, that many of these vendors work other events throughout the the the, the fair season, 
and when they come to common ground, they have to uh, oftentimes modify their recipes or, or make adjustments or commitments because they can't find maybe a key ingredient. Uh, for example, this year has been a tough year for strawberries. So, you know, that really su- suddenly, uh, you know, one, one year there could be an abundance of strawberries, uh, you know, and, and uh, uh, or, you know, last year uh, there was uh, the cider um an apple crop was really damaged with uh, with a late frost, whereas warm early, warm spring and then frost. Anyway, so you know those ripples change what's available come fair times. And you know I can see with you know Flip and Cheryl's business, you know you sort of make a prediction, a prediction. Okay, we want to have this product, but um, you know we're we're not working with widgets here, and uh, and so having that flexibility to uh, modify. Uh, you know, maybe there's more blueberries in a smoothie instead of strawberries this year, that type of you know, right. changes. It's a huge, um, both an educational opportunity and challenge mm-hmm. to, to get not, you know, the whole chain of from the food vendor to, down to their customer to understand that long-term effect that one frost in May of 2012 had on, you know, yeah. for the following 12 months or that rainy stretch in, in June had on this year's, yeah. you know, strawberry harvest. So yeah. that's that's a, yeah. an ongoing challenge of education, I think. My, my wife had uh, earlier this summer when we were getting all this rain, she said, she's talking with friends and she mentioned, she goes, oh, I'm really worried about my tomatoes. Somebody said, "Oh, you grow tomatoes?" She goes, "Oh, well, no, I don't, but I've uh, the farmers are, and right now with all this rain, so she's, <laughs> she's just you know mindful that okay, what's going to be what's going to be like in a couple months with weather like this now, right? You know, and I think yeah. that's that's she's part the exception, of exception though. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot, yeah, but, but I think there are a lot more, you know, folks, uh, you know, especially on the other end of the, the microphone here and the uh, ERU listeners, and that's part of what makes uh, you know a celebration like Common Ground or a business like Cheryl Wixon's Kitchen possible is that we're fortunate to have a, uh, a public in Maine that's a lot more alert and uh, sort of dialed in, so to speak, to where their food is coming from and the challenges. And So education is obviously an important part of what happens at Common Ground. How about from a business perspective, is, do you find that a lot of what you do flip to be education as much as sales? A lot of it is because we're... Uh, it's a, it's a concept that a lot of people don't understand. There's a, there are a lot of products out there on the market right now that are made in Maine, some of them organic. But if you get your tomatoes from California in a number 10 can, just because they're organic, I mean, I'm sorry, it's not, it's not, it's not Maine. So, uh, so we go right to the source. And, and uh, so when we explain to people exactly what we're doing, they have more of an understanding. And uh, it is expensive because... Uh, you know, we're buying tomatoes locally and uh, processing them. We process them about, uh, we have our hands on them about three times before it actually goes into the jar. Not necessarily having our hands on them, but uh, handle them three times uh, before they go into a jar. And uh, so it's labor intensive and we make everything in small batches. But people understand that. That's what people, that's what people want, we think. Once they taste the product, they understand the difference. I mean, I've had your product, and it's, you know, you just there's no comparison between what you do and what the other products on the shelf, in my opinion. No, so, I mean, you know, we, we use no preservatives, no additives. Everything is, everything is real. Um, 
like I say, they're you know they're all main organic ingredients, with the exceptions of things like sugar and and uh, some of the spices that we we uh, we bring in. But uh, you know we're we're supporting a lot of different farmers. We have forty five farmers right now that are that are growing product for us, and uh, you know every little bit is helpful to them. You know especially the starting out farmers, mm-hmm. and our farmers all understand that we're not looking for their best-looking tomatoes or their best-looking peppers or anything. We want them to continue to go to farmer's markets or have their retail sources or things for those, but we're willing to take the seconds because uh, we're going to process them. So they're very easy to process, and it makes it affordable for us so that we can still make it affordable for the consumer on the other end. And what a great opportunity for growing the whole industry is adding that processing component because... It allows farmers, like you say, that secondary market expands the availability of product. It allows farmers to grow more without having to be um, so focused on producing only grade A product. Um, and you know, and it gives it feeds product into facilities like Coastal and allows those those business models to be able to grow and be successful. So it's all really important parts of of the whole movement being able to grow. I'd like to remind you that you're listening to Common Ground, an hour on local food and agriculture, hosted by Mofka here on WERU. And we are talking today about Maine organic. We're not talking about whether we should buy and eat local or organic. We're saying we think we can have both Maine and organic food. And we invite you to join in the conversation, call in with your questions or your comments. You can call the studio at 469-0500 or a toll-free number is 866-625-9378. So, Jim, back on the topic of food at the fair, things have changed over the last several years. I mean, there are always going to be those annual challenges that you know happen because of a frost or rain but there's really been a huge growth in the availability mm-hmm. of product that vendors can use yeah. in the last five to ten years yeah well on uh, that's probably most visible perhaps or at least on, uh, from our perspective uh, in the farmers market at the fair uh, it used to be that preference was given to certified organic farms and there were a lot of other farms that maybe weren't certified yet, but were working towards it. And uh, as the uh, the number of certified farms has grown, not only have did we add an additional mar- market, and those familiar with the fair know that there are two main entrances, so now there's a farmer's market at both entrances. But to be a participant in the market uh, at the fair, the, the farmers have to be certified organic or in the process of becoming certified. And I'm going to just pause right yeah. there because we do have a caller. Great. I'll let you, f- I know yeah, there's yeah. more to yeah. answer that question, sure. but I'll let our caller come in. Yeah. Uh, can you say your name and where you're calling from? Yeah, I'm David. I'm calling from Brooklyn. Hi, David. What's uh, your... Well, thanks for the show. I don't want to interrupt the flow of the, uh, the second speaker. Oh, no, no, that's fine. We're here all my, the whole uh, hour. My, uh, the impulse to call was generated by the first one, but I just wanted to say that I definitely do look forward to the experience of the... Uh, the farmer's market at the fair, which is a, a terrifically diverse and, and uh, inspirational thing for me as a as a beginning farmer uh, last year. And um, 
in relation to the first caller, I just wanted to uh, express my uh, my uh, gratitude that uh, such a thing as that is happening down in Belfast. I've, I've heard rumors about it and, uh, in the old Moss 10 facility, I believe. And um, uh, because I'm having, frankly, you know, a, a new kid on the block has a hard time uh, at the local farmer's market sometimes I've found because they're, they're already populated by people who do what needs to be done uh, very, very successfully. And, you know, the product is uh, very well presented, it's very well grown, and, you know, quite frankly, mine doesn't compete. And um, so I uh, have been uh, having trouble this season finding a niche uh, into which I can put my excess beans and uh, lettuce, for example. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm glad that there is someone out there able to take uh, excess product, as I, I like to call it produce. But um, anyhow, uh, and turn it into something which I can use back. I mean, I'd, I'd happily trade tomatoes for for a few for a few uh, bottled uh, good cans of sauce, you know, something like that, you know, because the problem with the uh, 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 shelf storage product uh, is that in you know in the typical old old style hippie home kitchen, we, we used to try to uh, produce it ourselves because we wouldn't be able to afford to buy it, and that's uh, that's still true. But uh, the fact of the matter is, it takes an awful lot of time to can a bushel of tomatoes. And, uh, you know, you guys are set up to, to produce, to process uh, a ton and plus in, in two days. That's, you know, that's a lot pretty, of tomatoes. That's pretty exciting, yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was a ton plus each day. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> wow. true. Yeah. I'm okay. impressed. Well, thanks uh, for and, your you know, call. Thanks. Okay, so just thanks for your work. All Thank right. you. Yeah, the, the the coastal facility is is a pretty amazing opportunity to make a real change and difference in the the local food landscape for sure. And Cheryl Wixon's Kitchen is just one of probably what a dozen businesses that are That's using it right. now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we do have another caller on the line, so I'll let you get on. Can you give your, us your name and where you're calling from? Uh, yeah. Good morning. Uh, my name is John, and I'm calling you from South Thomaston. Hi, John. Thanks. Hi for, there. Thanks for calling. Well, thank you. Uh, I have a question that's a little bit off the topic this morning. Uh, the Mosca Apprentice Program has been troubling me a bit. Um, and I'm wondering just how Mosca audits the farms that apprentices work on. Because it's it brought to my attention that uh, in a couple of farms, and I won't mention any names, there's been some real abuses of labor practices, uh, not only in terms of uh, compensation, but in terms of hours. And I would just like to know what Mosca does to manage that. Um, we have a, a staff of um, educational program staff that um, provides training, an annual training and um, direct support to f both farmers and apprentices. Um, and are basically the, the oversight is um, a one-on-one, -on -one, um, you know, dealing with of with issues and problems as they arise, but they have to be brought to us in order to address them. Mm -hmm. So that would that would be my suggestion would be to um, contact the Mofka office and ask to speak to either um, Abby Sadowskis or Andrew Marshall. They're the educational program staff. 
okay. and um, and bring those issues to light with them so that they can uh, address I will. them. I will. Uh, what okay. troubles me is, that is one situation among others. I mean, there are apprentices working alongside uh, both documented and undocumented migrant workers who are actually making more than the apprentices, above and beyond, you know, room and board and this sort of thing. It's sort of like, you know, indentured servitude here. Yeah. You should say, it definitely encourage you to get in touch with Andrew or Abby. Yeah, well, I just, yeah. I just think the listeners should be aware that this is yeah. all nice and touchy-feely, but there's abuses going on. Yeah. Okay. So thanks for listening. Thank thanks you. for your call. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get back on topic here. And um, we were talking about all the great changes that have happened in recent years at the fair, and one being the expansion of the farmer's market at yeah. the fair. Yeah. Um, another, uh, and, and is... Uh, I think about five years ago now, as Mafka's events, I mean, were perhaps most widely known for the Common Ground Fair, but uh, Mafka actually has about 70 days worth of educational events and workshops and conferences and so forth throughout the year. And um, as we got into having events year-round, the, f- the fair has always had a very... Uh, uh, you know, sort of aut- autonomously, you know, volunteer-led uh, ethos, and and they crafted uh, the policies around food and what could and couldn't be served at the fair. And as the Mafka grew, the board looked to that model to to realize, okay, we ought to take a look at what food we're involved with and serving at all our events. So uh, we uh, put together a, an overarching food policy that that. So to any of our events, our top priority is to make sure that we're serving Maine and organic food whenever uh, available and possible. Uh, there are certainly uh, some ingredients that either uh, because of supply, uh, you know, let's say, for example, um, you know, it could be uh, wheat. There might not be enough of Maine organic wheat in a particular grind uh, to meet all the baking needs of the fair. Well, then... Um, you know, then, then we look for certified organic, you know, out, outside of the state. Um, and then if anyone's been to the fair, they've, you know, obviously seen the, the lemonade booths or, you know, whatnot. So, you know, there's, uh, you know, not everything is, uh, we're, we don't live in a, in a bubble and uh, we're, we're not trying to, you know, in, impose, a, uh, you know, a draconian local for, uh, you know, uh, mandate. But certainly the preference for all the food that's served at the fair is that it's uh, main and organic. And uh, uh, it's really exciting working with the food vendors, especially you get new ones or even the, the old timers, you know, cook, you know, come to us with a new question, with a question or, you know, can I do this or can I do that? And There's a lot quite of them, a learning curve for it really food is. vendors. Yeah. It's so it, different from every other. It event. really is, especially for a new f- food vendor. I mean, I'll be honest, we put to the ringer and it's a lot of work, uh, but uh, it's well worth it. And what I want and. and I say that, that a lot of that is the necessity. It's not just because we want to, uh, you know, walk the talk, but it really does help the fair become an economic um, driver for a, a lot of uh, uh, you know, Maine's organic farms. Uh, Flip mentioned, you know, working with 45 different farms, and there are a lot of uh, farmers, whether in the farmer's market at the fair or working closely with food vendors, where the fair is a significant, uh, it's a significant piece and an important piece in their overall business plan, and uh, you know we'd love to see more of that. You know, we'd, we'd, you know, th- there's common ground doesn't need to have a monopoly on that, and so I think one of the things that we try to do is to be that model, 
so that other event organizers um, can see, okay, wait a minute, you can have an event with this many people and source all the food locally. And uh, it's exciting. Sometimes we get calls from other, um, you know, events or folks that are trying to, uh, you know, learn how to do that for their own event. Well, we're really, we're really looking forward to coming this year because from talking to some of our farmers, like you said, uh, we've heard anywhere from a third to a half of their yearly sales are right at the Common Ground Fair, and, and uh, that gets us excited. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we do have another caller on the line, so I'll welcome them on now. Can you give us your name and where you're calling from? Good morning. This is Yo in Tremont. Hi, Yo. How are you? Fine, thank you. I have a question. Does organic certification really mean anything? Isn't it actually profoundly political which farms receive organic certification and which ones don't? Thank you for putting on this program, and thank you to everyone for supporting Community Radio. Thanks, Yo, for your call. Um, that is a uh quite a question um so i don't know about the the nature of the political the the political um aspect of what you asked but and organic certification is open to anyone who applies there are a rigorous set of um practices that a farmer has to document that they follow and that an inspector comes to their farm or facility to verify before any farm or processing facility receives their certification. Um, there, there's a history um, of organic of the organic movement that was very much more um, community oriented and demo, a more, much more democratic process than what it is now. That it's um, run by the the USDA and it's a national program but you know there there are, are trade-offs I think between that um, you know perhaps loss of autonomy and democracy versus having a national standard that um, everyone follows and that organic means everything across the country and there aren't different rules and different um, qualities uh, uh, that are associated with organic depending on which state you're in so you know every life is a compromise and um, we we do our best to do the dance and make the best of everything um, I know flip has the experience of being having gone through the certification process so I don't know if he has anything else he wants to add to that well we, we're uh, I believe we're the only one in the state that's certified as a processor also, we're certified for livestock, and we're also certified for uh, for produce because we have uh, we do bring some of our produce from from our small farm into uh, process, and uh, as well as we uh, we tend an apple orchard that we also had certified. But you're not and doing potted meats yet. We are not. Doing <laughs> potted meats, no. But uh, um, the certification process is quite rigorous. You know, there's there's a lot of. Uh, of paperwork that you need to do and we hear that uh, excuse from uh, different people on, on why they don't think that they should be certified but uh, if you go through it and most of it is really the type of record-keeping that if you're gonna run a successful business you need to be doing anyway you need to know where the ingredients came from for each batch that you made uh, you need to know where your farmers got their got everything um, so the certification process helps us as far as making sure that we have an audit trail so that we know that we're actually getting what we're what we're expecting to get and the product that we're putting out is what we are, are representing it as on the label 
think another common misconception about certification, just to as the last note on this question, is that it's very expensive. And um, at least at MOFCA, the certification fees are um, tied to your gross sales of organic product only. And it's a it's a sliding scale um, based on that. And I believe the certification fees start at $150. May, and there's also a, a federal cost share program um, that you get rebated um, a portion of that. And um, MAFCA also has its own um, program for helping defray the cost of certification. So that's another kind of common myth that we like to try to quell um, in there, out in the world about certification. You're listening to Common Ground, an hour on local food and agriculture, hosted by MAFCA. And today we're talking about local and organic. We're celebrating all of the goodness that is coming out of gardens um, and, and off farms right now, it being September, the harvest, uh, biggest harvest month of the year, and um, just so much great stuff to enjoy right now. So we have with us today Jim Ahern, who's the Common Ground Country Fair Director, and uh, with Common Ground being perhaps the state's, or definitely the state's biggest celebration of Maine organic food and Flip McFarland from Cheryl Wixon's Kitchen, which is a MOFCA certified uh, food processing facility that operates out of the coastal farms and food facility in Belfast. And uh, we w- we're welcoming your calls here in the studio if you have questions or comments. We've gotten a few good ones today, so keep them coming. Uh, the number to call is 866 866- Six two five nine three seven eight, and in the meantime, we'll we'll keep our uh, conversation going here. Um, so, we briefly mentioned um, coastal, and there being several other businesses. I know that there's several other organic businesses, um, certified organic businesses. Do you are you familiar enough, Flip, to kind of give us a, a broad brushstroke of the other kinds of products that are coming out of that facility? Uh, well, there's Hiwa Tofu, and uh, he does an all-organic tofu, and he's working on um, soy milk. I don't know at what stage he's at yet. Mm. I don't think he's at the stage where he can distribute it yet, but uh, um, very, very committed to organic. Um, he won't buy anything that isn't organic, and I'm not talking about just what he's making himself. I'm talking about for his for his own personal use because he, uh, he's been kind of good friends with us. Uh, there's Big Speech chocolate bars that's an or- a chocolate that's uh, organic they are also going to be at the uh, common ground fair this year um there's julie's outrageous foods she makes a uh, tabbouleh and uh, i like to call her julie tabbouleh and uh, <laughs> she also makes a fresh salsa and uh there are uh there's a dilly there's a, a dilly bean factory almost right there that uh, he does uh, quite a few dilly beans um, How about farmers? Are farmers using this facility? There are a lot of farmers, and, and that's one of the things that we found is is very, very interesting. Uh, like yesterday, we had some tomatoes come in from uh, Village Farm, and Village also has a pallet that they keep at Coastal for storage in the cooler. And so at the same time that they were delivering produce to us, they were dropping stuff off, picking stuff up from their pallet, and also dropping things off for a pallet that was there for Crown of Maine. So it's almost, you know, it's almost becoming like an aggregator so that a lot of your, your farmers can can 
shift things around and use it as a uh, as a central distribution point. And so Crown of Maine, which is a distrib- distribution, a local foods distribution company, they come, they use Coastal as a as a pickup spot for. They, they come pick they, up products. They do. They to do move. have. They do have a pallet in yep. one of the. Uh, in one of the coolers. So their main warehouse is in Vassalboro, Vassalboro and so they correct. kind of ha- they can kind of have a satellite warehouse in in Belfast to hold product and keep it in a climate yeah, controlled. You know, s- you know, small quantities. Yeah. You know, yeah. obviously, if it was yeah. a big quantity, they'd want it delivered right to the right to Vassalboro. Yeah. But uh, for uh, using it to to shift small quantities from farmer to farmer mm-hmm. and and things like that, it, it seems to be working out very well. And how about how about do far farmers doing any processing? Process? Did I say that word? Processing there, Free, um, like freezing or I don't know, washing and packing or. I haven't like seen that. any farmers doing that mm-hmm. type of work. Um, I do know that uh, uh, Jan and Dean, who who are uh, part of the principles of uh, Coastal, they do package some things, some excess things that they get from farmers, and, and they're going to be putting that out under the, the Coastal Farms and Food brand. So they're buying it from the farmers. So they are buying some things from farmers it and, and processing it, it under their label. Correct. Gotcha. How about blueberries? Did, did blueberries go in there this year? Did those? Yes. Yeah. Yes, they uh, they do have a big blueberry freezer. Uh, they have a capacity of about I I can't remember three and a half four million pounds of blueberries, but. Uh, um, and I don't know where they are as capacity as far as this year, how they're, how they're doing. Great. We do have another caller on the line. Sorry, I left you hanging there for a minute. I didn't get enough sleep last night. Can you give me your name and uh, where you're calling from? Yep. Um, this is MJ calling from Belfast, and I'm really happy to be able to call in about Coastal Farms because I'm really excited about it. Um, I was curious because I kept driving by, and I went in about two weeks ago and had an amazing tour. In fact, I loved it so much, I went in and volunteered last week in the kitchen because um, I thought I'm going to learn a lot. And um, there's a ton that's going on there. It's really exciting. And people, people that, you know, farmers like small farms, backyard farmers like we, uh, you can go in, you can store things there if you don't have a root cellar. You can go in and process your food. You could just take all your beans in and just do the blanching process. You could, there's, there's so much going on there. I really um, highly um, encourage people to go in, get a tour, see what's going on, because it's really reasonable and it's such a fantastic enterprise that this couple has started to help um, the area and because if we have all this food and we can't eat it all year long what good is it but it's it's a wonderful enterprise and I totally applaud them and I'm going back to volunteer next week so That's check great. it out Coastal Farms. <laughs> thank you so much for your call MJ and that additional endorsement for for Coastal um, do, do we know how folks can get in touch with them do they just stop by is that a good suggestion or should they call first <laughs> i don't i don't unfortunately Are i don't not the i don't have I don't, yeah i don't have one of their brochures with me to give you the uh, contact information okay. but uh i think it is coastalfarmsandfood.com mm-hmm. but i'm not uh, positive as far as our website yeah. so a great another great resource in the, the community great this is such important uh pieces that infrastructure the processing the uh flip mentioned uh, crown of maine uh, you know, all those components uh, are, are essential. And uh, a lot of times what we see with the vendors who are trying to source materials or, or uh, ingredients for their food at the fair is sometimes they can, the product may exist, but they, they can't get it processed or uh, uh, I recall or back. it's from a farm that's four hours away exa- from them. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, the, these a lot of this uh, 
you know, as the farms have grown and as uh, David alluded to earlier, uh, the success actually can create a little bit of a challenge for people that for farmers who are trying to get into the market. And, uh, you know, so part of expanding that market is really uh, building up that, that infrastructure so that new markets uh, can can take advantage of what Maine has to offer. Yeah, actually, Flip, maybe you could speak a little more to that um, relationship with farmers and how you've grown, you know, how, how you've approached it and how, I guess, advice maybe for others who are looking to grow, either farmers who are looking to supply processors, processors or processors looking to do more local sourcing. Do you have some words of advice since you have a few years of that experience? Well, I mean, don't forget that uh, Cheryl does work for Mafka as well as a uh, in marketing. So that is part of her responsibility is to find and develop new markets for uh, for our certified organic farmers in the state. She really takes her job and, seriously. Uh, yeah, well, we, she, she was having a hard time finding sources for them, so we decided to start our own company so that we could source a few of them. But uh, no, seriously, though, um, we would encourage any, any young farmers or old farmers, we don't care which, but... Uh, new farmers. New farmers. <laughs> We have a lot of new farmers that, uh, that contact us to uh, to talk about next year or even mm-hmm. what they have left over this year, uh, what they have left. Um, in, in, like we said with Jim, it's a planning purpose. Some of our farmers that are just starting to give us things this year, like Farmer Kev, um, I think it was February or March maybe that, you know, at one of the uh, Mofka meetings that uh, Cheryl started talking to him or he contacted us, and so we've known all summer that, that he was going to be growing for us. But whenever you hire somebody hire somebody or contract with somebody you know, you're never, never sure whether he's going to be able to, to, uh, to deliver for you, and so far he's, he's done great. Uh, Village is another one. Village Farm is another one that uh, this is the first year that we've used them. And uh, was talking to, to them yesterday about the, uh, the bricks content of their tomatoes and which ones that they like to grow. So we're already talking about which ones they're going to grow for us next year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the planning process is, uh, is, a long, is a long lead time before you, uh, before you actually see something go into the jar and on the shelf. Yeah, and you, you only get one shot a year to make any changes to do, you know, everything is on such a long schedule like that. It's such a challenge in that way. But when we see that, you know, but a fun we, puzzle maybe. <laughs> when we see the weather, when we saw that, you know, the the uh, thunderstorms last last weekend and everything, we're wondering: Are we going to lose our tomatoes now? Or are our farmers going to get late blight? What what kind of a problem is that going to cause for us? Well, so far we've been we've been lucky, and the farmers that have been bringing us things haven't been affected. Um, two years ago, when, our first year, that really devastated what we what we thought we were going to do. But that was a year that was a good apple year. Mm-hmm. So we just switched gears and we took all the apples that we could find and, and sold a lot of apples. And then as Jim alluded to last year, we were planning on doing a lot of apples and <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't there. Nope. So uh, so this summer we actually ran out of applesauce, uh, which, which surprised us. But uh, all of a sudden the Belfast Co-op was uh, selling applesauce faster than we could uh, we could provide it to them. Well, this year is looking like a good apple year so far. This year, yeah. this year it looks yeah. like we're going to be all right into both tomatoes and apples. So uh, we're just lucky that we're in a facility like Coastal where we have the storage capacity to, to uh, store them until we get a chance to process them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, apples are forgiving in that way. What do you do with the tomatoes? You, ha- you have to 
have to get those processed right away. Well, that's why that's why I say that you know we did a couple of tons of tomatoes uh, last week. Um, we what we do with our tomatoes is we put them in the, in the big kettles. We br- we break them down till they release their water. Then we put them through a, an extractor, pulp extractor, and put that into a, a five gallon bucket. And then we can we can freeze that. Or uh, what we try to do is try to boil it down, reduce it by about half, and then we have the consistency that we need it to make our sauce. But uh, that buys you some time. While it buys you get us all some time because we can, we can yep. we can process it, get it in a stable condition, put it in a five gallon bucket, freeze it because they've got the freezer capacity down there to do it and do it quick so that it's not going to deteriorate the product. And uh, so then you have it, you can, and you can provide employment twelve months a year instead of just during the during the harvest season. Mm-hmm. Great. I'd like to remind you that you're listening to Common Ground, an hour on local food and agriculture, hosted by Mofka, and we're here on WERU-FM, our gracious host for our show. Um, and today we're talking about Maine and organic food and all of the great opportunities and growth that we've experienced in this um, industry in Maine over the last well, 40 years, really, but we've seen a big uptick in growth in the last probably five to 10 years. Um, Flip, one of our guests from Cheryl Wixon's Kitchen mentioned that he they're sourcing from 45 main organic farms, and that is about 10% of all of the Mofka certified farms in Maine, which is pretty impressive. Um, we do have a call on the line, so I'll let you come on and can you give us your name and uh, where you're calling from? Hello, Yo again with a quick question about uh, storage. You've talked about freezing and root cellars. I wonder if uh, other of the more modern technical storage methods are considered organic, for example, the use of ethylene gas. Thanks again. I have to admit I'm not familiar enough with the organic standards to know whether that particular um, product is allowed. I would have to reference the the certified, the, I imagine that would be on the, the OMRI list, the Organic Materials Review Institute, which is an or- organization that um, reviews products for approval in, in use in the in certified organic operations, and that is one I do not know. But if you follow up with our certification office, Mofka Certification Services, they could answer that question for you. So we have, let's see, about 15 minutes to go. So what should we talk about next? Jim, is there anything um, coming, anything particularly interesting or exciting that you wanna plug for the fair before you run out of time? Uh, you know the the fair is uh, uh, it, it's it, it changes every year, uh, but yet a lot of it at the court stays the same. I was uh, uh, joking the other day with a friend of mine. We were watching the Red Sox, and a car commercial came on, and and they were talking about the all new 2013 or 14 whatever model car. I said, oh, we should do that with the fair, you know, because that car looks just like last year's car. We'll just say it's the all new. And it even has the same name. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, every year there's uh, there's some new vendors and a few uh, 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 flips already already mentioned, uh, and uh, it's, you know, we're, I think uh, Ben Cohen 
uh, may be there with this. He's got this stamp mobile where you can stamp out money from politics, and that should be a fun little addition. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to press pause on that answer. I know it's yeah. a long one. Um, yeah. and let, uh, <laughs> no problem. That's all right. <laughs> let our caller come on. Sure. Um, can you give us your name and where you're calling from? Yes, good morning. Catherine from Appleton. Hi. And hi. I um, just have a question about food processing. Um, I've just come into an abundance of vegetables from uh, many sources, plus my own garden. I can't dehydrate. I have no room in my freezer. So I'm thinking of blanching the broccoli, cutting it up, blanching the broccoli, and then putting it in half gallons, um, packing them in with a salt water brine. Um which I've done before with other vegetables like cabbage, but I'm just wondering what you think about that. Um, I don't think we have any experts on the on. Well, I don't know if I don't know if broccoli is in well, flips. Bro- yeah, broccoli broccoli isn't one of the things that we uh, we do anything with because all of what all of what we do is we do um, put everything away in a jar, so we don't do anything with uh, frozen products or. Uh, no, yeah. If, if Cheryl were so, here, Cheryl were instead, here. If Cheryl were here instead of me, she would have an answer for you <laughs> well, in about two not, seconds. Um, well, that's what I'm talking about. But is, is right. there a way for um, uh, for Catherine to get in touch with Cheryl? She could call. We do. We do have a fact sheet um, mm-hmm. on our website, mafka.org, okay. on storing vegetables. I'm not sure if broccoli is on there, but um, I know you can. I I believe. For broccoli, you can lightly blanch it or or steam it and freeze. I don't believe a brine is necessary. Well, no, that the point is, I doesn't have the capacity. Yeah, to I don't free. have the capacity. I've done all of that already. But you know, freezer's what I did? full already. I made sauerkraut with a chopped up cabbage. Oh, you're family. talking about pickling it. Yeah. Well, in a saltwater brine, right? Right, that will um, lacto yes, fermentation. I, process. I just did happen you, to have the Mofka, uh <laughs> seasonal food guide in my pocket and on that it does talk about freezing vegetables oh she's and talking about pickling them i'm not it's, yeah she's talking about doing a lacto fermentation yeah, process well, with I the broccoli have the wonderful stocking up book from the 60s i'll right. read up on that you know what if i got a loose yeah. jar you, you know, know i i saw a wonderful presentation by roy and anna and taki mm-hmm. of weeping duck farm i believe they're in yeah. moral okay and close. um and they basically use that process with everything. Helen and Scott, Helen and Scott Nearing did. You know, right. Yeah, so I think it's definitely worth a try. Yeah. I mean, you, you well, know, even if you just a, do one jar of it just to see exactly. how it looks. Let I, me put a plug in for farm days over at uh, Belfast for the next two days. Yeah, And da- And Dave Mallet, let's support him. I love him. He could put his gypsy boots under my bed any night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, Catherine, thanks yeah. for calling. Carry on. You know, I was... Uh, I want to let Catherine know that Sandor Katz, who's a, a really well-known writer on fermentation, will be uh, at the fair. And he's giving the keynote on Friday. But on Saturday, he's giving a, uh, two presentations. One is a more formal introduction to fermentation. But the second is, is kind of an open uh, Q&A. So oh, that broccoli Kath- question was Exactly. Perfect. So if Catherine uh, is, happens to be there Saturday... I'm sure Sandor can help her with that one. Okay, we do have another call on the line. So, oh, sorry, they hung up. Sorry for <laughs> making you wait too long, caller, whoever you were. Um, so, sorry, Jim. That's all right. Carry on, yeah. Sandor Katz. That's exciting because you know I think I still think lacto fermentation is the most underappreciated form of preservation because yeah. it's just so simple, and I mean I, it's it's great. Yeah, I'm a big pickle fan. So are my kids. Or, or we, have a, we like pickles in the house. But it's a whole different world from, from vinegar yeah, pickles. It's, it's true. just and, yeah. and it's really good for you. Yeah. It creates all of these 
enzymes and vitamins. It yeah. processes, you know, brings out a whole different uh, spectrum of uh, vitamins and nutrition and, and vegetables. Sorry, I'm trying to see if we have another call coming yeah. on. Yeah. And well, we, we do. We okay. do. All right. Go ahead and give us your name and where you're calling from. Um, Laura from uh, Brewer. Hi. What's, you have a question or comment? Yes. Um, so I just was listening to your talk. The last caller mentioned something about lacto-fermentation, and we're just mentioning that it's at, at the common ground here. And um, I just wanted to throw in that the group Food and Medicine, which is found at the website foodandmedicine.org, is also looking at hosting a lacto-fermentation class um, coming up very soon. I don't remember the date. <laughs> I'm leaving. It's like the next couple weeks, and uh, and and that uh, it's we're we're looking to offer it to low income folks and some canning classes as well. Great. So that's that's at food hosted by Food and Medicine out of Brewer. Yeah. Okay. So folks can look look you up. Yeah. Great. Thanks for calling. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know if uh, the caller was breaking up a little bit, so I don't know if everyone could hear that, but she was saying that the foodandmedicine.org, uh, and you can find it on their website, is offering a ferment, lacto-fermentation workshop coming up. And, yeah, and that it's open to, to low-income folks. I know that they, yeah. they do a lot of um, programming around serving um, unem- you know, or laid-off uh, union workers and um have done a lot of work out in the Bangor area getting SNAP um, coupons and promotion for folks to come shop at the farmer's market and provide matching funds to do that. So a lot of great work. So, um, Melissa, I don't know how much time we've left, but I was thinking, you know, one of the, I mentioned how the fair uh, itself is an important economic driver for a a lot of businesses. But when, uh, you know, one of the reasons why Mafka as an organization and the fair as an, an event really focuses on organic and particularly certified organic is um, it's it's not only the economic benefit but also the environmental and the health benefits um, uh, that organic farming and food um, uh, you know the, the relationship there and uh, and one of the callers earlier had a question about uh, the certification process, and I and I can't speak for everyone, but for me, that part part of that is there's a, a transparency, and that that's part of the as as Flip talked about the the certification process itself is uh, is rigorous, but it's a third party entity that comes in and audits the farmers or the processors, and so as a eater and a shopper, you know, if I'm buying food, that gives me that, uh, you know, a little bit of a transparency to know that, that that's what's behind that label. So, yeah, not only transparent, but also defined, you know, we, we know what that word organic means because there's a set of rules and regulations that say what precisely what it is. We, we have time for one last quick call. Can you give us your name and where you're calling from? Yes, this is Ryan from Newport. Hi, Ryan. Hi. I'm uh, just calling in relation to something that the speaker just said about the uh, health and environmental benefits. I'm wondering if you could comment on the health and environmental benefits of using miles and miles of black plastic every year. It's a certified organic product to keep weeds down. Thank you. 
Right. So that caller was referring to the use of um, a product, a mulch product, um, a black plastic mulch that um, is rolled out on beds and then pl um, plants are planted in holes in the black plastic. Um, and the environmental implications of having all of that plastic then produced in, in the environment. Um, there are certainly growers, organic growers, who um, disagree philosophically with using um, black plastic. And then there are growers who uh, feel that the, the benefit of, you know, reducing um, labor costs and increasing efficiency outweighs that, that cost. Um, I know that there um, is a form of biodegradable plastic that's of black plastic that's in the process of being um, approved for use in organic production. It's not all the way through that process yet, but that's on the horizon and definitely something a lot of growers have been waiting to be able to take advantage of so that they can have a more environmentally um, friendly black plastic option, something that will biodegrade. But for now, the best they can do is um, try to get that plastic up at the end of the season and reuse it as, as much as they can and then um, and then get it into the, the re, uh, recycle stream to be be put back into production. So we like I said in the last question about certification, we, we all have to make choices and compromises and do do the best we can um, in our our set of self-imposed rules and <laughs> regulations. <laughs> okay, that about wraps it up for this this month. I want to thank our guests, uh, Jim Ahern from the Common Ground Fair Director and Flip McFarland from Cheryl Wixon's Kitchen uh, and also to Amy Brown for engineering the show. Um, if we don't see you at Common Ground in Unity in two weeks, be sure to join us right here next month for another main organic food and agriculture themed show that will be friday october 4th at 10 a.m right here on your community radio weru fm thanks for listening support for weru